0: This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com, episode 25. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid. And we have a show. Yes, we have a big show today. We got
1: two new jumpstarts to talk about. We're also talking about Nanyoshi Komi's latest one shot, Tokidoki. And the meat of our show will be a discussion of Yoshi Toiki Oima's To Your Eternity, her newest series. And I think we're both really excited to talk about that one.
0: Spoiler alert. It's, it's good. You should read it.
1: Good is an understatement. It is amazing, but we'll say we ha- we'll save our thoughts on for that for a little bit later. We've got some news to go over first, but probably first thing that we're gonna do is discuss Tokidoki.
0: Yeah. So how how long ago did Tokidoki come out again? I I forget. That was that was about a month ago at this point, right? Right. It ran in our English Shonen
1: Jump about a month ago. So it came out back in October in, I believe, Jump Square or some some of the related Jump spinoff magazines. It was it was
0: either it was either Jump Square or I think maybe Jump Giga. Hmm. It was one of those two, but um, I don't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, so I guess uh, do we want to talk about just quickly what Toki is actually about? Give it a little synopsis, just in case people may not know.
1: Yeah, Tokidoki is about this guy who is called Hato, and his name is a pun out of dub. And so people, like, call him the sound for what a pigeon makes in in Japanese, which is po-po. And so he, he, like, discovers the secret of this... uh, we're shy and usually like aloof loner kind of girl. Uh, shoot, I don't remember her name top of my head, but basically, her secret is that she has this rare disease. Uh, car- cardiovascular g- g- generation. I don't remember the actual technical term, but I, basically, I, I, I remember.
0: I remember having a hard time pronouncing it. Honestly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but basically, she has a limited amount of heartbeats, and so, uh, she can keep track of how many heartbeats she has left, but she doesn't have a lot left. She only has enough to live about seven more years. And so she can't do any, like, really strenuous physical activity or get overly excited because that will cause her heartbeat to go up and it will shorten her lifespan. But after a meeting with Popo, like, Popo decides to help her live her life to the fullest. And so they start hanging out together, and they become really close. And, you know, they, a sort of a connection forms between them. And eventually, like, Popo finds out, like, she has a really great singing voice. So he recruits her into his band. Because her one of her biggest dreams is like she wants to be like this big singer, but of course that would, you know really a strain on her heartbeat, so she never like went for it. But Popo convinces her to give it a go, and she does. But uh, eventually, the big twist happens, and it turns out that Popo also had the same like degenerative heart disease all this time. And so he severely shortened his lifespan trying to help her because he had even less time than she did. And so, like, very emotionally, like, you know, he helps her fulfill her dream and, you know, continue to live life to her fullest. But he, you know, kind of passes away during the first concert she gets to sing at. And it's really emotional, very, like, tear-jerking scene. And so it's a really, really well done, emotionally charged romance story. It's, it's, and this, of course as in Oshikome work, it has some great comedic timing, so it, there are some great laughs, but like, he really manages to pull the heartstrings super, super well, and like, really make you feel the most for these characters. And like, see, it is, the ending is bittersweet because the girl still dies but like she dies with this big smile this big grin on her face and it's like very heart- it's, it's like very bittersweet but also like heartwarming ending
0: And it's this really really cool one shot that was really great yeah it was it was pretty good like coming from somebody who got pretty burnt out on Nisikoi near the end i i actually really enjoyed this i mean again as much as i got burnt out on that series i I I feel like he he can't really say that Comey doesn't have talent. Like he's he's very good at what he does, and I think he's a very talented artist and storyteller when he wants to be. Um, when he's not, you know, dragging out stuff like he kind of had to in Nisekoi. But yeah, I I really enjoyed this one shot. Like I I liked it a lot more than I was expecting it to, and I I thought I thought the setup was interesting. I thought the relationship between the two main characters was actually kind of endearing. Um, a lot of really nice, sweet moments in the middle there and at the end. and I certainly didn't see the twist coming. Yeah. Like, I never would have thought Hato had the same disease. But, like, his, his motivations for wanting to help her live her life kind of make a little more sense once the twist is revealed. Yeah. Um,
1: She's a kindred spirit. And, like, he... Understand where she's coming from, and like, he kind of wants to live his life to fullest too. So they're both kind of helping each other live out their desires.
0: Yeah, but like, o- overall, I just, I just really liked it. I thought it was very emotional and very endearing. Um, and I, I had a, I had a good time reading it, even though it, I don't think I cried at all, which is, which is saying something, because it's very easy to make me cry. Um, <laughs> but, um. It was sad. I felt sad reading it. Yeah. So I think the story did its job there. Um, And I honestly, re- reading this really just makes me want to read more work from Comey. And I hope that maybe he comes back to jump to maybe do another series or really just, you know, gets hired uh, for some of, you know, for just another anthology in general to just do another series. I like this author's work enough to where I would like to see more of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Comey has great talent for dramatic, like, story, dro- like, drama and romances. And, you know, he has great talent for comedy too, but I think, like, What he did in, like, the last third of Mizukoi and, like, what he did in this one shot. Like, his ability to tell, like, a good dramatic romance story is really, really great. And I'm hoping, like, if he does continue with this genre that he continues to focus more on that element and doesn't get bogged down in the kind of tropey things that he kind of had to do in, like, the good majority of Misukoi that got bogged down by that. And additionally, uh I appreciated in this one shot like there were some playing with tropes and cliches that shows that Tsukumi is very self-aware of them and knows how to write things in a clever way to put a twist on things. Like, of course, uh the way Hato finds out about Hatsu's you know, uh conditions that he walks in on her changing, and you think it's like this c- going to be this one cliché scene, but like it just it serves a point to the plot. Like that's how he finds out, and the characters don't like react. Oh, you pervert, 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 Like they kind of take it normally, like reasonable people. So, Komi is a pr- pretty self-aware, you know, mangaka in terms of using tropes to his benefit.
0: Though, I mean, he he still gets. He still, uh, you know, Hato still gets slapped for it, which you know I, I think is funnier because it happens off screen, and it's kind of one of those more visual gags where like you, you can tell he got slapped off screen because he has a he has a hand mark on his face, which you know I, I've talked about this on the show before. Like part of the reason I don't like uh, rom coms and you know things of the like are are because of these tropes that just. Really get on my nerves, and I just don't think her funny. But I, I think, um, it, like like you said, it it serves it serves the plot, and basically gives us an opportunity to find out about her disease. And I think that, and like I said, the fact that I that it happens off screen and that it serves as more of a visual gag, um, and on the next page, I think makes it a lot funnier. Yeah. But yeah, I I just thought this was a good one shot, and I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I'm looking
0: forward to seeing Komi's next work, and hopefully
1: uh, he can come back soon. In the meantime, it seems we have a sort of replacement for Nisikoi in the rom-com genre in the form of We Never Learn, which is the first of the six new jumpstarts that are going to be debuting in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and We Never Learn, I really enjoyed it, it's by the artist who drew the magical patissier Kosaki-chan, a spin-off of Nisikoi, Taishi Suisui.
0: Ah, transition.
1: Yes. And like, his artist style is very similar to Komi in that, like, they have very similar, like, character designs, and they're both, like, very full of life. There is some, like, subtle differences in Suisui's works, uh, in terms of, like, There's a little more sharper faces, like and also somewhat a little more street, like the feeling of the characters is a little more street dimensional in some areas. Uh, It's it's pretty interesting, like they're pretty similar, but also a little bit different. But I really like We Never Learn because the, the, I mean, the basic concept of the series is that the main character, Yuki Taiga, is this real, is this really hardworking, like, student who's, like, really hoping to get this big scholarship thing from his school, you know, in order to, you know, get into a great school and support his family because, you know, he's really poor and, like, he wants to help his family, like, have a better life. And he's constantly frustrated by these two girls in his class, you know, who excel in subjects way better than him, uh, Ogata, who is a genius at metaphysics, and then there's, uh, Fumino who is a genius at, uh, literature, and, like, can just do it, and both of these ga- uh, girls can just do these subjects, like, so naturally and easily that It really frustrates him. But eventually, like, he gets, he gets called into the, and meets with the principal, and he get, he gets the VIP recommendation that he wants, on the condition that he tutors, uh, Ogata and Farashi, and tutors them in the subjects they're really bad at, because Ogata and Farashi, even though they're really good at a particular subject, what they really want to do is excel and major in the other strong subject. Ogata wants to go into a liberal arts college, and Forhashi wants to go into Madden Sciences College. And the joke about it is, like, they're super bad and they don't understand the other subjects at all. To the point, like, when they are given, like, the same test again, they get an even worse score. They get, like, literally zero points, which is (laughs) hilarious. And so... The basic concept of the series is that Taiga has to help Farashi and Ogata, you know, learn these subjects well and help them get into their dream professions and dream colleges. And the basic, like, main emotional crux of the first chapter is the idea, like, these girls have had so many people try to tutor them, but eventually they all gave up, have kind of given up on them and told them, why don't you do something else? You're not good at this. But the main idea about the chapter is it's okay to fail and it, but it's okay, and it's okay to keep trying to become good at something you're not good at. And it's okay to really want to do something you're not good at if you keep trying to be better. And so eventually on reflecting with a lesson. You know, he was taught to by his father when he was young that inspired him. Taiga eventually shows Ogata and Farashi that he's with them and like he's going to stick with them and he's really going to help them. And excel in school and get and achieve their dreams. And that's really emotional because they haven't had someone talk to them like that before. And that emotional connection also, of course, leaves way into a romantic attraction or like subtle, like crush that they uh, both have going on. So that forms the premise of the romantic uh, comedy element of the series. So I think like the premise of the series is just super strong and super relatable. Like, for me, I, I definitely was raised in an environment where I worked really hard, had to work really hard in school. Like, was expected to achieve great results. And I, like, was always devastated and frustrated and felt like a failure when I wasn't, like, good at something. And, like, didn't always get, like, great words of encouragement or anything. But, like, the message of the series, like, that it's okay that you fail because that means you have great room for improvement. And it's only by struggling that you can get good at something. And it's in struggling that will give you the greatest satisfaction that will happen when you achieve your dreams. Like that's a very inspiring and very, like very important message for uh, young readers and Maxie uh, Bernard, as you know, we've we've had him as a guest on the show like several times in the last two months. Like he wrote an amazing piece on this aspect of We Never Learn's first chapter that I'm going to link in the show notes. I recommend you. Check it out, because he articulates it in a way better way than I can, like, just talk off the top of my head. But basically, I am really endeared and enamored with the series. Like, I love the central concept to concede. Like, the character designs are great. I was immediately, like, sold on the main two girls. Like, they have great character designs, and they're instantly endearing. The comedy is all really great. And there are a few tropey things, but they're just different enough that it feels a little fresh. So I I just really really enjoy it. About the only questionable thing was like the very tacked on fan servicey pages <laughs> yeah. at the end of the first chapter which to me felt like kind of like an editorial thing like oh you need a you need some fan service in here. And there wasn't any of that in the second chapter so I'm not expecting that to be a problem in the series. But yeah, highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like that first chapter could have ended on that page where where the two of them you could tell they're starting to develop some kind of crush on um on 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 the main character and like and and then and then like uh you know this was brought to the editorial staff and they're like, "Yes, this is this is great. I think I think teenagers will will really like this. I think this has a a great positive message, but uh, could you add two pages where the girls are naked?" It's about the only thing that's missing. Kay, thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. That that's that's kind of what it felt like. So I I did kind of sigh at that a little bit, but that's about really the only real actual uh, I guess negative criticism I have of the first chapter. I'll be honest. When I first read this, I I wasn't super into it because like you know I, I like I wasn't I wasn't into it, but it wasn't because I thought it was bad. It was because um, and. You know, I'm I'm sure we're never gonna shut up about Maxi while we're talking about these jump starts because quite honestly, his his article about the first chapter of We Never Learn did kind of help me realize why I'm not into We Never Learn as as a series and why if, if this doesn't get picked up for the Viz jump, I'm probably not gonna seek it out. Um but even if it did get picked up, I'd probably read it for a little bit and I'd I'd probably drop it at some point, because I could see myself getting kind of bored reading this weekly at least um but you know something that maxi talks about in his article you know not to talk about it too much because i do want people to read it too because i think like sid said he he really articulates why this series works especially considering the demographic that weekly shonen jump usually gears itself towards to um the the reason why i'm not as into we never learn is just simply because it's it's not for me like, it doesn't really it just doesn't cater to me personally. Like and I think I kinda talked about this a little bit on Twitter too. Like I uh you know, I think um I had a very different uh you know, I guess academic um uh mindset what's the word? Mindset, yeah, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. When I was younger, you know, my I I never really took school as seriously you know i i i mean i graduated high school so i did something right um but you know generally like i did what, about what was required and then i i was never really like an overachiever quote unquote i just kind of did what was required of me and that was it and most of the time i especially when i was in high school i would just you know whenever i got the chance i would i would totally just like like, I, I was the kind of kid where, like, you know, once I got my work done, I would just spend whatever time I had left, you know, in class just doing whatever, maybe taking a nap, maybe reading whatever I could from, from our library or whatnot, you know, just just kind of doing whatever. So, like, I was never, I was never a, a, a studious kind of person. Like, I never took academics too super seriously, so I feel like so, a, a lot of we never learn is a little lost on me in that sense. But I I do I do want to say that I do respect it for what it's for its messages and what it is trying to convey. Um, I think a series like this, you know, the more I think about it, and the more I talk to Maxi about it, I I do agree with him that this is this could possibly be a very important series for the target readership of Weekly Shonen Jump. Like I think this is the kind of series that a lot of teenagers, especially teenagers who are either you know getting who are either in the middle of trying to get accepted into high school or or are just you know finishing up high school and are still aren't very sure of what they want to do afterwards i think this could really speak to that audience um if it um if it plays out very well or well enough i should say um so i definitely respect what it's doing i i don't want people to think i don't but uh with that being said um, me just me personally I don't know if I like it just this is just a personal thing like uh, from the environment I grew up in and just how seriously I took school it's not really the kind of story that I could get invested in but I could totally see why you know someone like Sid would uh to totally get invested in and I don't know I think that's a fair viewpoint I don't know about you Sid
1: yeah I mean if you don't under if you can't like empathize with the emotions because you haven't experienced them. That's like totally fair.
0: Well, see, that's the thing. It's not that I. It's not that I don't emphasize because I do. I just don't. Well, you I don't
1: relate th- to the experiences because that's not the uh, mindset, or that's not like, and it's ex- the, the kind of feelings. You, those aren't like relatable to feelings you've experienced, like to a view to viewpoint you have about like trying hard. And like to experience of like
0: fail- uh, like failing at something you really want to do. So it it probably doesn't help that like I'm not a very super ambitious person. <laughs> yeah. So I just I, I'm I'm definitely the kind of person that just kind of that just kind of goes day by day and just kind of just kind of lives life doing whatever because you know I'm su- I'm such a free spirit like that. Yeah. Um. But but like I said, I, I, do, I do really respect what it's trying to go for, and I'm hoping it'll succeed, but I could also see this being the kind of thing that is going to get cancelled in 13 chapters. I hope not. I hope not either, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. Like, it's... It has, like, a core team behind it, so that could really help it compared to other things, you know, that don't last as long, because the main team isn't, like... Completely visible at the start Like Love Rush had a great thematic Exploration of like how Different people like Internalize like what love is And like how to approach love But that wasn't like obviously apparent From The first chapter, that's like something you kind of realize, like, as you read it, like, oh, this is what this is trying to do. Like, the theme of We Never Learned is, you understand it, like, right in that first chapter, and you can get behind it. So, I think at least that it has that advantage. So, provided that, you know, there's a market for a series that is this more low-key, like, slice-of-life rom-com that isn't, like, too uh, much about, like... the fan service and shipping the fan service element like a yuna viragi manner then i it could find its niche and it could succeed so i'm i'm hoping that that happens because it has so much potential
0: oh yeah this has a lot of potential and i I do hope for good things for it Mm um actually you know speaking of these particular themes i guess we should move on to our next one
1: yeah u 19 is another interesting series uh by uh Yuji Kimura and it's basically uh adult it's like a young adult dystopian kind of story but it has have a heavy like allusions to kind of oppressive. Or authoritarian like regimes in the past, and it also references things that are act like actually like a thing in the Japanese educational system like the impetus for this uh this takeover by the fiction this fic- this grown up party to like take over like the world basically it's because of a backlash against the utory education policies so you know, it, it, there's like some heavy like rep commentary on Jap, on the Japanese education system, like evident in this, which is pretty interesting. But the basic idea, like kind of the easiest idea for I think most people to understand and get behind is that it's basically kids next door with teenagers <laughs> and teenagers and like, Superpowers. Like, I guess some of the characters in Teenage, in Kids Sticks had two superpowers, but most of them just used weapons and stuff. Like, the, the basic point of this series is like, they are gonna all get, like, superpowers based on their libido. <laughs> so it's, presumably, it's basically all based on, like, horm- their hormonal, like, impulses that kind of drive their powers. So it's like something that only they, as, like, teenagers have, like, this special ability in this world. So that's kind of interesting. Like, the first chapter is very much set up, like, centered around this setup, about establishing this world, establishing this main character, like, uh, Eiji, I think, uh, and, like, his love interest, and, like, establishing the relationship between them, and kind of, like, the struggles that kids, like, the, like, people have to go through in this world, like, how, so a lot of people are oppressed based on like their level of grown upness or whatever like they're divided into caste systems
0: and yeah yeah it's this interesting thing where like um the the ranking system they have in place basically it guarantees equality but it's not necessarily equal because like th- this particular ranking system that they have in place basically guarantees that like everybody has some sort of income and some sort of a career or job in place but like you still have that thing where it's like oh well if you're rank d you're not really worth much and you have like these really menial like or labor and tasks or whatnot uh, but you still don't make a ton of money
1: yeah you can't move outside of your like cast system like you're pretty much stuck in there The benefit is, yes, you got a home and you get a job. Those are guaranteed to you, but like your quality of living will never go up. And so if you're in the lower classes, there's like no, there's like no way to climb the social ladder. So it can be very frustrating in that sense. And of
0: course, you know, you're looked down upon the lower class you are in. So so yeah, like I said earlier, you're you're equal, but but not really. It's it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah.
1: So like, there's some good context here for some uh, social and like political commentary. Probably not gonna go that deep into it, just because it's like ostensibly going to be a battle manga. But like, there's some good, interesting grounding here. Like there's like really interesting ideas behind the concept of this series. And that makes me kind of intrigued about it. It also has some pretty
0: nice character designs, so that's also a good plus in its favor. Yeah, the character designs are definitely interesting, um, and they're- I I appreciate how grotesque a lot of the um, facial expressions can be every once in a while, especially from the adults. Yeah. Uh, those I really enjoy. Um, yeah, personally, I thought- um, I did not think this was bad, but like- the, the the thing is like I I agree I think this has a lot of interesting ideas, but I'm I'm also not sure if I would say I think they're really like I don't know if they're executed super amazingly. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean I think the biggest problem with this first chapter is that it feels incomplete. Wait, like it's, it's
0: a little it's a little on the nose. It's it's not exactly super subtle. What with uh, yeah not- the, the, the 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 yeah because like. <laughs> but, I mean to be fair it's not like kids next door with settler or like most shonen- No, I mean of course. Them. I mean of course, but when you got a guy coming in, coming into the school auditorium leading a um an assembly and you clearly see he's wearing an armband that, you know, that's totally not reminiscent of Nazi Germany at all. No, not at, What are you talking about? Yeah. It's it's that kind of thing where it's like I see what they're doing. It's weird that like, they make that compared to Nazi Germany, because it's, like, more reminds me of
1: Mao Zedong era China. But, whatever. Mm-hmm. basically Mixing up different,
0: like, uh, torturing regimes in history. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting in a sense. But, um, yeah, overall, I... Again, I thought it was interesting, but, like, I'm not convinced so far that any of this is really going to be super thoughtful at all. Like, like, Like you said this is probably going to be mostly a battle manga, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to see where it goes. Um, actually I, I thought the best part of the chapter was a lot of that, a lot of the beginning scenes in, um, in the classroom at the start where you have basically the, uh, I think he's the gym teacher or if not, he looks like a gym teacher. Well, no, he's just a regular teacher. He's just, he looks looks like a gym teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, you he, he have this guy teaching this class basically go over, going over all these rules and stuff and getting on kids for, like, these really stupid, silly things like having, like, uh, pencil cases in class and, you know, getting on um, A.G., the main character, for for sewing in class when, you know, oh, boys can't sew. That's not a thing boys do and how A. G. actually kind of stands up for himself. Now, like I like I I like that moment where he's like you know why why can't boys so that's like I don't see anything wrong with that.
1: Yeah, he also points out that like what the teacher was doing was more distracting and like more detrimental to their education than like what he was doing. And then he also points out that standing in the hallway is also really stupid because he can't go learn while he's out in the hallway. And then, yeah. <laughs> And so I mean, then he goes on and like says, who cares that if my dad's ranked D, he's got a job that like supports the town and he's living a happy life. And then eventually the teacher is just like dumb speechless. And, so and so he was like, wow, it's so commendable. You don't discriminate between ranks. Give him a round of applause, everyone. And so, and so, <laughs> so, so it's like the teacher is like such a weird dude because like... <laughs> he's, he's this, like, really irrational, like, erratic person, but his mood can change on a... The mood and, like, the way he treats someone can change on a dime, so it's, like, he's, he's pretty crazy. See, I I took that he was just
0: being condescending. He
1: was being, like, con. He was being sort of condescending, but at the same time, he was, like, being a little bit sincere, too, because later on, when uh the love interest tells the teacher that she's only, like, helping... Him out, you know, so that, you know, she gets like a good like evaluation and wraps up points like he's like, wow, it's good that you're so honest about that. So, you know, it's like both a little condescending, but also a little bit like sincere, like appreciation for the honesty. So I found that pretty interesting. He's quite a character.
0: See, now this is this is the series I relate to. Over, we never learn. Not, not that I ever like got in too much trouble as a, as a student, but like I definitely when I, when I went to school, I definitely had moments where like where my teachers or like the faculty would enforce these uh, enforce all kinds of rules that we had um, in place on our campus or whatever. And there would be times where like you know, yeah, they would enforce these rules to. Really annoying extents, and I just be like, "Well, what, what, like, what, what, like, we're not doing anything wrong. You're just, you're just, you're just kind of like pulling your weight around. Oh, look at me, I'm, I'm the, I'm a cool ass teacher. I can just do whatever I want because uh, your kids, whatever. Like, I think, <laughs> I think this series kind of speaks to that, um, that part of my adolescence. So I, I appreciate that because I, I, I definitely, I definitely could relate to this a little bit more. Just because I feel like I was that kind of student, to where like I wouldn't just take that kind of thing lying down. I would constantly, well, not constantly, I should say, but I I had moments where I would try to point out, well, hey, why is why is this thing that we're doing wrong? It's not really disrupting anything. Just just like just like with AGF, anything you're like you're disrupting our learning, not me, you know. And of course, of course, I would get you know, I would get I would I got detention every once in a while and then i learned not to do that anymore because I, I was i was pretty spineless back then when i was a kid but uh but yeah this this definitely um related to my adolescent sensibilities a bit more like it's interesting because i feel like we never learn and and you 19 are are kind of are kind of different sides of the same coin in terms of um in terms of the the demographic, it's really trying to um, it's really trying to sell itself to. If that makes any sense, like because these are both series that I think are obviously geared towards teenagers.
1: Well, I don't know if they're different sides of the same coin because, like, they're not like polarly opposite, but they're both tackling like the same kind of like frustrations and like. Uh, anxieties that like young tween teenagers like go through, and like are kind of, might kind of be feeling. So I think the biggest appeal of u nineteen is that it does have this kids next door esque like, man, these adults are stupid. What are they? What they're? Oh, they're like ideas are like totally like
0: not helpful at all. What are they doing? Except it's a lot more political. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a lot more political and a lot it's like it ha- it is actually rooted in things that actually like make more sense and like actually are like legitimate rather than like kids next door like they oh
0: we're go have to go to
1: bedtime early oh we have to eat oh we broccoli. have to brush our
0: teeth oh Ugh. we have to brush yeah let's start so, our own organization guys this sucks like
1: in kids next door they were fighting against things like. These stupid kids, like the kids, the kids, like, really should have just been doing all along. Like, they, 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 oh, yeah. they were, a lot of the things that they were, they were rebe- rebelling against are things like kids rebel against, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, things you should actually do because that's, it's healthy and actually good for you. Whereas in, we never, I mean, uh, U19, they're criticizing things that are actually detrimental and are actually like not helpful at all to what the goals are of the education system. So yeah, U19 has, it's like kids next door, but smarter with its premise. So it's, that's pretty interesting. And I think just in that regard, I think it could like attract an audience that kind of feels similarly. Like, I don't know how, the unrest is uh, in Japan among students, but generally the Japanese education system has been like highly criticized and like like very much, you know, uh, people have been, thinking that it needs major reform for a year. And, you know, it was a big reason why Assassination Classroom was so resonant with, some, with so many people, I'm like, it was so is because it was, like, criticizing the modern Japanese education system and, like, it was putting it in the kids' perspective and being like, yeah, I want a teacher like this who, like, really he- understands our strengths and wants to help us instead of, like, forcing, like, really putting this undue stress and pressure on us to just perform for the sake of performance. So, you know, Unite theme isn't, like, as... Uh, I don't think it's... I don't know if it's approaching it with the same kind of, like, subtlety. Like, it's not as in... Like, it's uh, it's more in-your-face than Assassination Classroom was about that. But, you know, it's still tackling, like, a very relevant subject for its target audience that I think, you know, could attract some readers, just like Assassination Classroom did with its premise. So... Yeah, I think it has a lot of potential. I think that to like really judge it, I, we need to read the second chapter because where where this chapter, the first chapter left off, it felt very incomplete. It leaves on this great cliffhanger, but you know, it, it the first chapter was just establishing the world and the central two characters, so. Like, the power system hasn't been introduced. Like, they hinted at the garage kids, which is like the resistance group of kids that, you know, have the libido powers, but like, they haven't actually shown up. There hasn't actually been, uh, we haven't actually seen the powers in action. So, like, it has a great premise, but as a battle series, like, how it executes that, we know that's a whole nother element of how well the series how successful the series is going to be, so I think we're going to need to wait to judge that before we can judge like how successful the
0: series is going to be like overall. But yeah, I think overall these these two are are not bad. Like I, it's not like I didn't enjoy reading like We Never Learn in particular, but like you know, I didn't hate it. But you know, like until until I read Maxie's article, I didn't really see the worth in it. Honestly, I was just kind of like. Oh, it's another rom-com. I don't really like rom-coms. Whatever. I guess I'm just going to write it off. (laughs) Which, I will admit, was not fair of me, honestly. Um, I will say that these two are not bad, though. I think out of the two that we have got the chance to read at all, like, out of the six that are coming out, I think I am a little more interested in U19 um, in particular. But uh, I kind of can't wait to, like when all of the first chapters of these six come out, like, what what's gonna be the one that I like the most? Or I guess that both of us like the most? I think I think we should talk about that um in the future. Because yeah. I think that would be really interesting. Probably will. So. Because I, cause I think so far, the one that, the one out of the six that I'm, like, the most interested in, by far, because of, you know, the people behind it are, is, is Dr. Stone. Um, and I, I I can't wait to see if like that ends up still being the first chapter that I end up liking the most yeah i mean i'm I'm most looking forward to robot laser beam but uh yeah
1: like it's gonna be interesting to see like all these how all these turn out and like which ones had the like best first chapters like at the end of the day right now I like the vote of uh, we never learn and u 19's first chapters I give the edge to we never learn just because I really like i Enjoyed the characters like more, and I also related to the premise more. So, but I think both have a
0: lot of potential. So I'm really interested to see where they go. I like that that both of our uh our uh, both of our backgrounds are uh are are kind of uh, influencing uh our uh our choices in which we like better. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> cl- clearly, you are way more studious than I. I ever will be.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Probably. Definitely. Um. <laughs> 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 I I can't even be mad at that, honestly. But anyway, so what's what a, I know the next one coming up is. um, It's Demon, a, yeah, Poco's Demon Diary, I think. Yeah. Uh, so ba- basically next episode, we'll have that one to talk about. And then I'm trying to remember what the next one. Coming Hungry up after Marie. That is. Yeah. So we'll be talking about both of those on the next episode of the podcast yeah so that'll be interesting to look forward to but um I think um, I think with all that out of the way we should uh, we should start talking about our news. Yes, we have quite a bit to get through actually so I will uh, start us off here by saying that uh, vertical comics has um licensed a few things uh the the first two things uh, that were reported on well I guess the first the first being uh Tomofumi ogasawara's uh gundam wing the glory of losers which apparently uh from my understanding it's it's obviously based off the uh based off the uh gundam wing uh series from uh from the gundam franchise in particular uh gundam wing being uh i'm assuming like outside like other than g gundam i think was the one that aired on toonami
1: Gundam Wing was the first one that aired on the line. Gundam Wing is the one that most people care about and remember because it was the first air on Konami. And it, it was revolutionary at the time because it aired uncut. Like, it was the first show that aired uncut in the Midnight Run. So, like...
0: Ah, uh, okay. That,
1: so, it was a very important show. That was the show that brought Gundam to America and made it, like, so, something that people actually knew about. Like, and whether it's actually good is, uh, is debatable. But, like, it is... uh very important to the Western fan base.
0: Yeah. But it looks like uh the glory of losers seems like it in it, it incorporates elements from uh the endless Waltz OVA uh, The Gundam Wing Episode Zero manga and the Gundam Wing Frozen Teardrop novel series. So. Yeah, it's
1: basically it's retelling the story, but with all the elements from other aspects outside the anime included in it. So it's kind of like the origin It's just compiling like all this information that is about the Gundam about the main about the story from all these different parts outside of it and like just putting it all into one streamlined narrative.
0: Hmm. I I would be interested in seeing how well this does, because obviously, you know, this coupled with, you know, the eventual release of Gundam Wing from uh, Nozomi Entertainment and Right Stuff. Um, I think a lot of pe- I think people have a lot of Gundam Wing to look forward to in the future. So that'll be interesting to see how well that does.
1: Yeah, it's probably going to do really well, because like Gundam Wing is like kind of the
0: one mo- the most people care about. When, when it comes to the tsunami generation, see, I want I wanted to say that, but I I didn't want to say that and be wrong just because like I didn't watch Gundam Wing on tsunami and I I I'm not a part of like the Gundam fandom in any sense of the word, but so I didn't want to be um, I wanted I didn't want to say that just in case I was wrong, but yeah yeah like I guess thinking about it now yeah a lot I know a lot of people love Gundam Wing that is something I do know. Yeah. But yeah, uh that'll be interesting to see, but um the other thing that um that vertical licensed was actually another work from Kei Chi Try saying that five times fast. Keichi uh, Arawi, Keichi Arai, Kei Arai, Kei Arai, Kei You're just gonna keep doing that every time I say that, aren't you? I you just keep tempting keep... me I'm
1: gonna do it and <laughs> prove that you can do it.
0: Are you are you trying to be the tongue twister master, Sid? Are you just trying to be better than me? Is that is that what this is about?
1: I guess I get I have a tongue I have a tongue as flexible as meter is.
0: Oh wow. Um Hmm. I'm not sure if I ever wanted to know that. I could have gone the rest of my life without knowing that. But anyway, so I and
1: as sensitive as airiness.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Okay, <laughs> s- enough about Sid's tongue, so And as uh-
1: long as a lick of tongues.
0: Jesus, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so Basically, Keiichi is best known for his manga uh, Nichijou, which is kind of seeing some sort of resurgence with, you know, Vertical picking that up and then um Funimation uh getting the hold of the anime. Just that was just released a few weeks ago actually. Mm-hmm. So that's out there if anybody wants to buy that on DVD and Blu-ray. I need to get a hand uh, get my hands on that uh, on a copy of that soon, but uh Basically, a uh, vertical licensed uh, Helvetica Standard, which is just a, a four-panel colored manga that essentially exists within the universe of Nichi Joe, and even in the anime, like they take um, <clears throat> they animate segments um centered around the manga, um, which really make no sense, but like you know they're amusing, they're cute. It's it's out there. It's pretty absurdist comedy, I would say. Um. But yes, yeah, so that's coming out Fr- from from the segments that it had in the anime for Nichi Joe. Like I said, it looked pretty out there. I wouldn't mind reading the actual thing, uh, the, the like the real thing. Um, and um, it looks like, as far as we know, there aren't any like release dates slated for either of these releases so far. But uh, you know, they have been picked up by Vertical, so those are some interesting gets. Again, as somebody who's sort of a fan of Nietzsche Joe, I I'm definitely looking forward to Helvetica Standard the most. But uh, I, I I think Gundam Wing: The Glory of Losers could be a pretty cool thing too. Yeah, I mean, pretty interesting stuff. I don't know if I'll check them out
1: soon. we like I will keep an eye on them, and maybe in the future, like I might read Helvetica Standard like once I get around to Nietzsche Joe
0: so yeah, yeah yeah you need you, you need to you need to get onto to Joe. it's so funny <laughs>
1: yeah you know listening to translator tea time and you know hearing jenny talk about like how much she loves the series and translating the series
0: like you know it kind of makes me want to read some Joe. so yeah um but it looks like uh so i totally forgot that a con was happening but it's yeah. I mean, no, off- no offense to it, it's it's no anime expo, so we're not gonna, we, we don't we have, you know, 10 extra bits of licensing needs to talk about for this episode. And aren't we grateful?
1: But yeah, Katsukon's happened this weekend, and Vertical, like, just announced some new licenses. Breaking news! Yes, so uh, they've got a few new things that they've picked up. Uh, among them is Anime Supremacy... Which is a novel by Mizuki Sujimura, and they described it as a best way to describe it is like it's a novelization of Shirobako, which is not literally a novelization of Shirobako, but it's basically the same kind of story. It's about like people working in the anime industry. So that's pretty interesting.
0: Okay. Uh, they got
1: another Nizoisen work, Imperfect Shoujo, and it's also by Mitsuru Hator. I guess he does the illustri- he does the illustrations. Uh, oh, it's an adaptation of novels also known as Shoujo Fujibin. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, they picked up Arakao Under the Bridge. I'm surprised that hasn't already been licensed, but yeah, that's finally gotten picked up. Okay. And they've also picked up, uh, Mizu Zahara's adaption of Makoto Shinkai's Voices of a Distant Star. Because uh, Shinkai is a big name, so yeah, of course, more of his stuff, but, uh, would be coming over? And, uh, probably, the most biggest news is uh, they're, they're actually launching a podcast, their own podcast.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And uh, it's going to be about talking with industry folks, both English and Japanese, about the manga industry and it's going to be a monthly podcast, and it's uh, coming soon. That's great. I, I love listening to podcasts of future people in the industry, so I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for when it comes out. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm probably going to have to listen to that, too. That does sound really interesting.
1: There's also been some other licenses from Kodansha, and I'm very excited for these. Uh, uh, oh very yeah! As, recently, as soon as
0: as soon as I saw this, I knew I knew Sid was going to be happy for the rest of his life. That uh yeah. more work from this particular author's coming up.
1: Yeah. So, just a on that, Yes, another one of Akiko Higashimura's works has finally been licensed: Tokyo Toriba Girls, and this series is about. A girl in her mid-30s. Well, woman in her mid-30s, I should say. And, like, she is 30-something single. She wants to get married by the time the Tokyo Olympics rolls around. So, it's the series is basically about her efforts, you know, find a uh, life mate as a 30-something. So, like, I have to actually dig into it. Unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of time to read outside what uh we had to read for this week's episode. But, uh yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna really, I, I'm really excited that they've licensed Tokyo Tariba Girls. And, uh, Reba Girls. I'm mispronouncing it. Reba Girls. Okay. Tokyo Tarariba Girls. And I, I'm, that's really great that more Gashimura work is coming over. And it makes me, like, really hopeful that even more of her work will come over in the future. Because I know Princess Jellyfish is doing super well. So that's like, really exciting. But probably the most exciting for a lot of people is gonna be the, a long overdue licensing of Chihaferu the manga about competitive karuta, has finally been licensed. It was, I remember correctly, the number one most suggested shoujo manga that mentioned me that we discussed in that poll, like back in episode seventeen. Oh yeah, it
0: was. But
1: just overall, it is like extremely popular series. That, you know, you know, people have been wondering forever, like, why hasn't it been licensed? And finally, it has been licensed by Kadancha. And it's pretty great. Yeah. And lastly, uh, the last license that they have announced is Springtime with Ninja. Which is basically about a Harris of his rich family who is signed a ninja bodyguard and they get into a romantic comedy. So, you know, not, not a whole lot to really, I I haven't read the Optus Phoenix's works, and there's not a whole lot to the premise that sounds like super unique. It's like, it sounds exactly like a manga that the, uh, Vampire Night creator did, like, after Vampire Night. I forget its name. I didn't like it. But, yeah, so, you know, that, that's, uh, I think it might be a pretty good series, you know, maybe I'll check it out sometime. But, Tokyo Tararariba Girls and Shafaru, yeah, those are awesome gets. I've already bought the first volumes of those and even though I haven't read them yet, you know, I'm gonna definitely dig into them once I get the time and it's like, yeah, it's really exciting that these works have come over. Like more Jose stuff is such a good thing, especially with titles like as high prestigious these.
0: Yeah. I, I guess I guess now that the uh, the number one pick for uh Shojo manga that men should read has been picked up, I should probably read it too. Mm-hmm. Though, though to be fair, uh, just to give an update, I did start reading Skip Beat, and I am liking it, so. Awesome. Hopefully we'll talk about that more in the future.
1: There's more manga for the ladies that has been added to Comixology. Would you like to talk about that, Colton?
0: Uh, yes. So, Comixology, um, we talked about on the show before about uh, their their unlimited uh, subscription service, where basically, for, for a certain fee a month, um, Per month, you you basically have the ability to uh, sample a lot of the a lot of their stuff for free. From what I remember, I think it was mostly first volumes of stuff, or maybe complete collections. I don't remember. That was this was a little while ago that I dabbled into it, and I, I haven't really checked into it further since then, unfortunately. But uh, so my memory's a little fuzzy. But it looks like uh, Comixology has added. Uh, quite a few uh, romance manga titles f- uh, for uh, from the uh, from the Harley Quinn romance uh, publishing sect in particular. Um, the interesting thing about this, and I I did a little research on this uh, on this publishing company. Um, it seems like uh, Harley Quinn en- Enterprises is a um, is stationed in Canada. Uh, I thought that was interesting, and they basically from from what i looked up about you know what they publish i mean obviously they publish romance titles but it seems like they they publish a lot of like the kind of romance novels that you would find like at your grocery store those those kinds of things you know what i mean um Mm-hmm. Uh, the 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 kind uh, the kind of more uh, it looks like saucier titles you know uh, with with covers of like uh, pr- probably you know bare chested men with with long hair hol- holding a woman uh, uh, lovingly and embracingly and that kind of sappy stuff that probably my mother would read actually but uh, <laughs> but what's interesting about um, some of the titles that uh comixology has added is that it looks like they're um it looks like they're all manga that are like that are based off of some of the novels that harley quinn ha- has uh, published um because i'm looking at the list of titles listed on comixology and like a-, a lot of them are listed with like 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 an american western name and then a japanese name right beside it so that leads me to believe that like these are all based off of, um, of of other, like, pre-existing works, but are, like, illustrated by by uh, Japanese illustrators. So, I found that kind of interesting. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have about uh, 20 titles to choose from. Um, I'm not going to go over all of them because there are a lot of them. But, uh, you know, you have titles such as uh, A Man for All Seasonings, uh, A Question of Honor, Blind Date uh dragon bay uh oh oh the pregnancy affair that sounds spicy um switched at the altar tug of love Uh, oh this this one this one's probably my favorite who rides the tiger that doesn't sound like a romance novel um but i guess it could be um but yeah so if, if you have any interest in reading some spicy romance titles uh comixology unlimited has your back and I just found it here, Comicsology Unlimited is priced at about five ninety nine a month. So you know, if you're interested in those, they're they're out there for you. So there you go.
1: Great, some hot steamy romance manga. Yes, <laughs> I, I honestly have not heard great things
0: about Harlequin manga, but oh, uh, really? Okay. You know, yeah.
1: But there's there's an audience
0: for them, I'm sure. I, yeah, yeah. Like it's not, you know, I was like when 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 I saw Sid add this to our list of news items and I, I was looking through it I was like man this really this uh, and like from from the previews I had seen of of um of like some of these particular titles I I just assumed these were all like really obscure titles from the 70s because of like because of the way of uh, the art looks because it looks really old-fashioned
1: it's just a Jojo aesthetic
0: or basic I mean like what counts as a Shoujo aesthetic, I guess. Okay, like, keep keep like... in mind, Sid, I have I have I have read maybe three Shoujo manga in my entire life, so all Shoujo manga kind of <laughs> looks the same to me, but I'm I'm trying to fix that.
1: Yeah. As you should. <laughs> but,
0: uh... <laughs> um, but speaking of steamy romance titles, um, so uh we don't talk about it a lot just because um I'm not I'm not super familiar with this imprint from viz but uh viz every once in a while i don't i don't know how much they um how many titles they really pick up for this imprint as much because i don't see a lot of announcements for this kind of thing but they do have a boys love imprint called sublime uh you know the the, the bl and sublime being capitalized to show you hey yeah this is what it is you know they they picked up a few uh picked up a few new titles which uh, I will list off now. So they picked up about three of them, it seems. And uh, uh, out of the three, they picked up uh, a strange and mystifying story from Suta Suzuki, which will be coming out on November 10th, um, along with uh, Scarlet Berry Co.'s Jackass, um, (laughs) uh, which will be uh, released on October 10th, and uh, Akane Abe's Am I in Love or Just Hungry? Um, which will be released on July 25th, noted that this, this title in particular will be a digital only release. Um, so, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not super into boys love. It's just not a genre that's really to my liking, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're like, What, you don't like hot steamy men getting it on? (laughs) Hey, look, you know what? It's 2017. I am I am not against uh, same-sex relationships. But, uh, you know, just boy, boys' love in particular always just kind of comes off as, like, really uncomfortable, honestly. I mean... Yeah, boys' love can be uncomfortable. Because it's approach from the... Well,
1: boys' love is kind of a very problematic genre in certain respects. Because, one, it's infantilizing, like, homosexual relationships. Like, it's treating them as, like, this magical, like, other kind of thing. And to, so, like you know, it's like it's it's a fantasy kind of thing where it's like the like women can project themselves on to like the male relationship, but like they don't have to feel like they're like being like dominated or like in the power play elder relationship. Like they can just be an observer. So then there's also that problematic element from like a feminist like from a feminist lens, and that this like kind of absence of women and absence of objectification is also kind of like a and it's, it's, it's a very problematic genre that, uh, honestly could be the subject of its own
0: like discussion topic but yeah
1: you know most boys love like the intentions are harmless it's just that
0: the 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 execution is never
1: well it's not about it's not even about the execution it's like it's about like what the audience generally is getting out of it and like how it relates to like this deeper like underlying like problems with Gender and sex relations that are, exist, like not only in Japan but in much of the world, yeah, and, like kind of how boys love the way it's consumed, the way it's like perceived is so is a very like dangerous and also like self depreciating and self destructive like view of view of certain teams and uh, relationships is like it's it's very problematic. Genre, in many respects,
0: yeah. Like, and
1: problematic is a word that itself become problematic because it can be misconstrued. But what I mean by that is, is that you know there are there are, there are very good boys love manga that can that are very enjoyable. But the there's problems like in terms of representation, yeah, and also in terms of like wh- how, why the audience is enjoying them yeah that it, when you think that when you dive deeper into the psychological reasons is actually kind of very self-destructive and you know there's actually the like interesting survey where this manga expert like went through a bunch of shoujo and jose and boys love manga that was released in 2016 and he like made some statistics out of that and so he also did that so he did that for boys love and so looking at the trends and like figuring like understanding the psychological reasons for why there are these trends in these type of manga you know it, it's pretty revealing so mm. you can look that up at some point but yeah we'll, we'll probably
0: talk about boys love at a later date when we have more familiarity with works in the genre if that's gonna be an interesting episode um Probably should get somebody who like who is already like super into that genre, so it's not just us trying to like wander. Why well, I shouldn't say us? It'll probably I, I should say me because I know I know Sid is probably gonna read more than I will, uh, just cause I suck at reading things and but and, and boys' love in particular is just like I have I have friends who are into that kind of thing and of I have watched. Like, I have watched anime based on manga for that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, man, this really just, like, it just makes me uncomfortable, honestly. Just, I don't know. But, uh, I I think basically for all the reasons Sid already listed. I'm I'm just, I am not a fan of certain, um, of certain scenarios within that genre. But, but what I did want to say before we started, uh, started talking, uh, talking, uh, about uh, the problems with the genre is that I'm as, as much as I don't care for the genre, I'm, I'm glad that there, there's more of a, like we're getting, we're still getting a variety of licenses from these different publishers along with th- this and like all the Yuri manga that got licensed last year. It it felt, it felt like we were talking about a, lo- a lot of different licenses for Yuri manga, at least like every other episode last year, because <laughs> a lot of them got licensed. Um, So I'm 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 glad that you know that market is being um I guess I guess is being served that that is a good thing like I can't really say that I can't really say I know much about the Yuri genre um to really make any judgments about it but you know from what I've heard you know there are some good titles in that genre and I I do want to I do want to read some at some point because some of them actually do look really interesting and from what I've seen seem to treat um those kinds of same sex relationships very. Thoughtfully, at least. But uh, anyway, so, you know, that that's all fine and good. But um, we should talk about some manga that are ending. And uh, the first one we're going to be talking about is one that actually you can read for free on Viz.com. That looks like it's coming to an end is basically the uh, Naruto Sasuke spinoff. Uh, Sasuke's Sharingan Legend is uh, apparently ending in, uh, in Psycho Jump. Uh, well i should say it looks like it it, the the magazine uh stated specifically that it's approaching its climax um yeah but it's written in the same way that refers to the final chapter so well i'm just saying we we thought that with another manga and that didn't seem to be the case but we'll get to that when we get to that uh we're gonna have to uh, talk about that in a little bit but but yeah uh you know it it looks like it's going to be ending and uh it looks like uh the same person behind the spin-off will be launching a new uh Boruto manga spin-off uh in uh, Psycho Jump a spin-off of a spin-off in, in the in the April issue on March 3rd so i'm sure that Viz is going to pick it up and probably going to put it in their free section i'm like 99% uh, certain of that it'd be weird if they didn't pick it up but
1: yeah, they'll pick it up and they'll put it in the digital jump, and we'll have two Boruto manga running at the same time in the because Naruto jump.
0: will never die for as long as uh, Shueisha wants to make money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel really cynical. Uh, we should just get on to the next one, Sid.
1: Yeah. Well, so two jump starts, two series we covered as jump starts, I should say, have ended recently. Demon's plan of amalgam and amalgam of distortion. So both of those ended like pretty quickly. Like amalgam started in like
0: October, and Demon's plan started in like
1: December. So they they only ran for a couple chapters.
0: So uh, each. So so I was I was kind of confused about this. So did they both end in the same issue of Jump?
1: Yes, they did. They both ended in uh, tomorrow's issue. Uh, well, at the time of recording this, I guess. Well, at the time of release, they
0: would have they would have ended this week in Monday's issue. Okay, okay, so that's that's interesting because like I I don't think I mean just because I've never heard of it doesn't mean it isn't true, and I'm sure Maxi would probably know better than probably the both of us, especially me. But uh, I I've never heard of two series ending simultaneously in the same issue of Jump before. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it's happened before. I can't recall off the top of my head any examples, but am pretty sure it's happened before. Basically, though, I guess these series just did not catch on. So it's worth noting that Spring Weapon, number one, which was uh, debuted at the, around the same time as Amalgam, is hanging in there and actually got a pretty high ranking in the most recent uh, poll. So, you know, maybe that'll stick Watch around. Watch it get
0: announced for an anime in, like, the end of 2018.
1: Huh. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> and Oli Galazzo, which came out around the same time as Demon's Land, however, is ranked right, at right at the bottom.
0: So probably can expect
1: that. Oh, to Oh yeah, end there's there's soon, no there's no way
0: that's not ending. Which which is really a shame because I feel like cause I I still really like that first chapter. I thought it had a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It looked like to be a pretty nice sports series, but. Guess it just didn't strike a fancy. I'm, I'm hoping
0: that yeah. author in particular um, gets gets a chance to do another series. Because um, I feel like I feel like if if Shueisha weren't trying to b- basically clean up their lineup to introduce all these other series, I feel like Ole Galazzo maybe could have done better. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. I don't know. I
1: mean. It would have. I mean, it's. I don't think Jump trying to clean up series is why Oyagazo hasn't caught on. It well, just yeah, hasn't that's caught on Because readers don't find the series particularly interesting compared to everything else in the magazine. So that's well, why it's I, I meant at the to say.
0: I meant to say that on top of all of these new series getting introduced has unfortunately did not help its place in the magazine. That's certainly true. But but, but like I've I. Like I've went out and I've read uh some of like because the author of Ole Galazzo did have a one shot uh during one of the uh, Gold Future Cups I forget which year um but uh, yeah that that one shot in particular I thought was really good it it was like set in space and it was it, like I I like there was a lot of really interesting character designs uh some great opening first pages on that and some really stellar art I felt like so. I've read enough of this uh, author's other like f- what what few work he has out there to say that you know he he has um, he obviously has some talent um, and obviously has a very uh, like I think unique style that I would like to see uh, hopefully if he ever gets another chance to do another serial but I don't know I, I guess what I'm trying to say is out of out of all the series that are being canceled I'm. I'm kind of the saddest about Ole Galazzo, just because I felt like I really enjoyed that author's uh, style. But yeah, so, yeah, uh, Malcom of Distortion and uh, Demon's Plan are out the door. I can't say I'm, like, super sad about... I mean, I don't know. Demon's Plan, I thought, could have been interesting, but I felt like it tried to rush its story a little too much in the first chapter, you know what I mean? You know, Introducing that whole thing where it's like, oh, well, I guess now my best friend is evil, I guess I have to deal with that now. And all that kind of thing. An amalgam I've talked about before. I just, I thought, I just, I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting at first, but I just, it just wasn't clicking with me.
1: Now, speaking of stuff that has ended that I'm not particularly sad has been canceled, the Ruby manga has actually ended! Finally, like we thought it was ending with chapter 14, it was really chapter 15. But yes, it has ended as of last Saturday in the March issue of Ultra Jump. It ran its final chapter, and maybe there'll be like a second series, but for the time being, it seems like Mio you know, is just going to go back and resume dogs. Yeah, so, you know, I can't, I, I'm a fan of Ruby, but this manga, you know, it just had nothing to offer. Like, the arc was nice, Shiromio's sure, mean, art was nice, but, like, we didn't need the trailers to be retold. Like, the point of the trailers in the first place was just to show off the action scenes. Like, there was barely any story in them. And then the whole, like, side story thing with the, like, serpent Hydra Grimm thing was also just kind of meh. You know, it didn't it was just like a, one extended action scene. Did, we didn't really learn anything new about the characters, and I, I we got a comment on our YouTube video of like uh, the our Ruby manga ending discussion. It was saying you know, Rooster Teeth wants all the new content to be in the show, no spoilers. And I'm like, okay, fine, new content can like be introduced in the show first, or whatever. There's still more interesting things the manga could have explored in the world of Ruby. Outside of the trailers, which had like no story, and then this like giant fillerly battle with the serpent thing that was just one big action scene that had no like really emotional hook or like substance behind it, you know? I mean, like you could have explored like the lore of the series, like make a manga about like the four maidens and that whole story. That's a great story. You could have made a manga about that or. You know that's not new information. They made that story, but you could expand upon that. It'd be interesting. So you know, there's plenty of things that this manga could have done to be really good. But otherwise, you know, as it is, it's just kind of meh. It doesn't. I guess. I guess it appeals to some Ruby fans, but for me, I kind of like have a little substance in my spinoffs. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you didn't like it, Sid. I was looking forward to it when it was announced. Well, not when it was announced because when it was announced I hadn't even, I hadn't seen Ruby yet. But after I became a fan of Ruby, after it was announced and I got into Ruby, it was like, yeah you know, this manga. I'm looking forward to more Ruby and seeing like some prequel stuff, some stuff that is in the show. But most of it is stuff we saw in the show. And the one little chapter, one chap like the five chapters that aren't that weren't stuff we had already seen before it was not interesting, so too bad.
0: So, if we do get another, like, I guess, uh, I guess another, like, spin off out of this, would you read it?
1: I mean, if they ran it and Jump or is, like, legally available, yeah, I'd probably check it out, <laughs> but, like, I wouldn't have any expectations for hmm. it.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't. And just kind of going off a whole other thing with this, um, with Ruby ending, I don't, I don't know what was up with um, what was up with the confusion there with, um, with, uh, with people reporting that Ruby was ending in the, um, I believe it was in like in the February issue that came out in January, of yeah. Ultra Jump. I'm not sure what the, um, I'm not exactly sure I know what the confusion was there. That was interesting. Yeah,
1: I don't well, they said that the climax would be in the February issue, but the actual final chapter was in the March I, what issue, I And so. I,
0: this is this is why I made that distinction earlier with the um, Chibi Sasuke spinoff, whatever was that. I think what had happened was that it was reported that the climax was happening, but I don't think, or that the climax was starting. But I, but I think people may have took that as, oh, it's just going to end in that chapter.
1: Well, with the Sasuke one, I think that it probably is going to end in April, just because the Boruto anime is oh, starting. Oh yeah, of course. In April, and like the, the if there's this new Boruto spinoff thing, it should pro- we'll probably start around the same
0: time. I mean, yeah, I, I agree, but I'm also saying with with this mix up of us trying to report on the Ruby manga ending, I'm just I'm a little more careful to uh, when I'm when I'm looking up this information about how other people are wording it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because because I, I think that's why we were sort of confused about this whole thing because we talked about last episode about how the scan later for Ruby was talking about how you know that chapter that everybody thought was going to be the last chapter still had a to be continued and so we were like oh okay what's what's this I I don't know what's going on
1: Yeah, but it was ending the next chapter anyway, so like all the people are like, oh, it's not ending. This is just false reporting. Well, but it ended the next chapter anyway, so
0: whatever. I think I think people misunderstood um, what people were trying to report, but that's just what I think happened. But it doesn't matter, because finally this manga's over. We don't have to worry about it anymore. I think the Weekly manga recap guys will be relieved that they don't even have to bother recapping
1: it anymore. Because they, <sighs> they were like, what is this series? I don't understand anything that's going on. Ah,
0: I'm guess I'm guessing they weren't very privy to Ruby beforehand. No, they,
1: they hadn't seen it before. And then they watched the first season because they were like, I don't understand what's going on in this. And then they didn't like the first season, but they at least like got the idea of it. And so then they, but they're like still with the the chapters are like, what is, what is even the point of all this? They're getting nothing out of this.
0: So, so, cl- so clearly this Ruby spinoff is, is not good for, it, it is not for the uninitiated.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> it's not for the uninitiated. It's not for fans who actually want, like, something new of substance.
0: So, I guess the question is, who is it for? Just people who will
1: like anything that re- has re- anything remotely to do with Ruby, I guess.
0: Well, that, I mean, I don't want to make broad generalizations of fandoms that I'm not a part of, but... I'm sure there's a section of the fandom that, that are like that, that, that are like, oh, it's a Ruby thing. I like Ruby. Let's read it. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are people like that with really any fandom, I should say, but. Yeah. So, whatever. Now we don't have to talk about Ruby anymore, so that's good. Um, (laughs) Well, unless they make more Ruby manga, but. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see when the time comes, but, um, so let's, let's talk about more manga that's ending, um. kind of a, th- this one is surprising especially in the way that it was sort of announced um so apparently all throughout uh the major sh- uh, train stations in Tokyo uh was a series of eight different posters that basically was announcing that uh, uh Akagi basically a um a mahjong gambling manga uh from the creator of Kaiji Nobuyuki Fukumoto uh will be ending after twenty-seven years on February first, twenty eighteen.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy they announced this a year in advance, but it makes sense because this manga's been going on for so long and like it's been in this like final battle between Akage and Washiju for like twenty years, and it's like, yeah, this is actually gonna be ending. Get hype, get hype! So, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know, I, I'm excited for this manga to end because then I can read Akagi all the way through without interruptions. So I have experienced that epically long 20 year, 20 volume battle between Akagi and Washisu all in one stretch and not have to be frustrated by like having to wait for a chapter. So
0: that's going to be pretty good. Oh boy. Yeah. So. Uh, Bomber, uh, who who we who we've had on the show before, um, actually on Life Lessons has told me about most of the final battle for Akagi. And like, I was kind of needless to say, I was pretty flabbergasted at like what he was telling me about like what the pace of this manga is like. Cause, like, you know, people think Bleach is bad, but you know, Bomber's literally told me that, like, there are chapters where like it'll be mostly like internal monologue and then like somebody will make a move will move a piece and then that's just how a chapter ends and I'm like there's no way how do people read this on a a a, a monthly let alone weekly basis I wouldn't be able to keep up with that I would be frustrated <laughs> yeah though hopefully maybe now that akagi will be ending next year maybe hopefully madhouse will pick it back up and uh, animate it cuz Cause, cause i think i cuz i think i also heard that uh, the akagi anime started to adapt this particular match but like i don't th- i don't i think the anime just kind of ended cuz obviously i think the same match is still going on yeah, so I I can't imagine that Madhouse really ended it at a very ideal spot. So so maybe maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get another season out of this. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the what the reception of the um, of the anime for either Akagi or Kaiji is like in Japan. But I mean I don't know. We can all hope. I mean I've I haven't really watched more than like a couple of episodes of Akagi. But from what I watched, I you know i don't know anything about mahjong and i'm not going to pretend i do but like i really enjoyed it i thought it was i thought it was exciting and you know i've seen at least a season of kaiji and i can tell you that kaiji is really uh, really it's a really uh, exciting show it's really great and if you start watching it you will want to marathon it like i'm i'm just letting you guys know right now like like there's there's no way that if you start, if you start watching an episode of Kaiji, you're not going to be like, oh, that's, I've had, a, that's one episode of Kaiji for tonight. I think I'm just going to go on to something else. No, you are going to guaranteed want to watch at least like four to five episodes. Maybe even more than that. I don't know. Hmm. But, but Kaiji's good. I highly recommend it. Or really anything from, uh, from Fukumoto is usually pretty good from what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've been meaning to get into Fukumoto's works, and, like, I'm pretty excited for Kaiji ending again, because I can read that all the way through, and, because I, I didn't, I've never started it because I didn't want to, like, have to wait in for chapters of that long unending battle, but now that, like, now that it, it's coming to a close, I can read it all the way through, and enjoy it, like, all in one go, and not be frustrated. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty excited. <laughs> Another thing I'm excited for is that Kino's Journey, the long-running like novel series, is finally getting its first ever manga adaptation, which is really surprising because for a series as old as Kino's Journey, like 17 years old, like, you'd think it would have a proper manga adaptation already, but, you no, know, it's had spin-offs before, but this is the first actual manga that's going to adapt the story of Kino's Journey. That's pretty great because we haven't, you know, had, like, well, it's not like it's been like since in North America yet, but I have to assume with how popular Kino's Journey is. Like, you might get this manga at some point. And that would be pretty great because, you know, obviously we ha- there only is so much of the story has ever been available. And, like, not a- only a part of the story was adapted in the anime. So, like, if this is a manga that will adapt the entire novel series, you know, that's, that's going to be pretty great to have, like, a new visual format to experience the series. And of course, manga is easier and, and uh, easier sell to translate and bring over to the Western market. So, you know that's a that's also really exciting prospect for us Western fans of Kino's Journey. You know, we might get this manga and we might get to get more of the story out of it. So, and I'm also excited on that front too.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've been meaning to watch the watch the anime adaptation for that uh, for some time because I know a lot of people really like it. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's something that's definitely on my to-do list. Um, but um, another thing that's actually getting a um, its own... Uh, another franchise, I should say, that's sort of uh, getting its own manga spinoff um, is uh, Final Fantasy, of all things. So apparently uh, Final Fantasy had a 30th anniversary event on uh, January 31st. And at that event, um, they announced that... Uh, it's getting uh, apparently Final Fantasy is getting its first ma- uh, manga which I'm 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 kind of surprised to actually you know we're talking about Kino's journey I'm kind of surprised Final Fantasy's never had a manga
1: I'm pretty sure it has I don't think this is like the first manga in the franchise it's just like a spin-off Oh it is it is its first original it's first original manga Okay it seems that like makes more sense. it seems so so it's like not the first adaptation of the story, but it's like the first like original manga story based on the franchise.
0: Hmm. Okay. That, that makes a little more sense. Cause I was going to say with, with the, with the franchise as huge as final fantasy, like I would have, I would have definitely assumed, Oh yeah, we, there would have been at least like 12 manga spinoffs or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just like Sid said, this is going to be its um, first original story by uh, Hazuki Minase. And um, is going to be titled Final Fantasy Lost Stranger, um, with illustrations from uh, Itsuki Kameya. And so um, I don't really know what else to say because I, I will admit I I've-, I've never played a Final Fantasy game.
1: Yeah, me neither. I have I have no knowledge of Final Fantasy other than like uh, Final Fantasy Seven
0: is the really popular one with Cloud and Sephiroth. I'm sure that there are people yelling at us right now because we've never played Final Fantasy.
1: (laughs) I only play Pokemon
0: games. Don't yell at me. Those are the only video games I play. I I tried to play video games, but like... Okay, so here's the thing, just on a tangent. I I actually used to own a Nintendo 64, but like, (laughs) the few games I had on it... I had Pokemon Snap... And then I had um whatever Rugrats game came out that year, because this was also the year that, like, the Rugrats movie came out in theaters, so, like, 1999, I think? Something like that, I don't know, but, you know, I would, my parents would get me games and I would pay, play, like, a half hour of it and, like, get bored of it, especially with Pokemon Snap. Pokemon Snap, I apparently did not understand the concept as a child, because, like, I didn't think Pokemon Snap was going to be about taking pictures of Pokemon. <laughs> I was so dumb as a kid. I didn't understand at all. I, I was just kind of like, oh, this game has a Pikachu camera. I want the Pikachu camera. And that was about it. That was the only reason I wanted that game. And I barely played it when I realized I was just taking pictures of Pokemon. And I think eventually my parents just sold off the N64 because I like I never played it. So you could tell that as a as a child that I just was not really too into video games. Unless it was on the Game Boy Color. I did play my Game Boy Color a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, yeah, another thing, like, you know, Sid says he, he only played Pokemon. I've only ever played Pokemon Yellow. That's the only Pokemon game I've ever played. I've never played any other Pokemon game. Wow. I know. it's uh, <laughs> I'm probably the one person in the world who's only played one Pokemon game. Well, actually, that's probably not true, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. For for the for for the sake of the exaggeration, it's probably true. Um, so yeah, I don't really have anything. So all of that was basically to cover up the fact that I don't have anything to say about this Final Fantasy manga, other than that's cool. I I wonder if it'll get picked up.
1: Probably his Final Fantasy is popular, and popular things get picked up. Just like Marvel's zombie manga that was done by Yusaka Komiyama and released on Manga Box in 2015 for about a two-volume run. So Marvel has licensed the manga now going to be serialized as Zombies Assemble. And Jim Zub, who has worked on Wayward Samurai Jack comics, is going to be adapting the series for English translation. And it's basically the premise of the series is that the Avengers uh, is going to encounter a bunch of zombies at Tony Stark's birthday party. So it's pretty, you know, pr- we don't get that much like out of the... uh out of the synopsis here, but like the art looks nice and uh, it, like Avengers fighting zombies that can be a lot of fun. So yeah, if you want some Avengers manga that's gonna be coming out soon. It seems interesting enough. But what I'm really interested in is in of some new series coming from a pair of some very high-profile mangaka here. Uh, wh- wh- one that Casey will be
0: very excited for. Yes.
1: Yeah, so first up, we've got a new work from Shuzo Oshime, uh, best known for Flowers of Evil, but also Happiness, which is another series I'm a big fan of, and... He's making a new manga called "Chi no Wadachi, uh, well, roughly translated as "Blood Furrow." The teaser, like uh, synopsis, being the illusion of the person that leads me astray, mother and son, the ultimate favoritism. So, in, without a mother son relationship, like some dynamic there. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Like Oshimi does, it, ha- it has a very interesting way of, of tackling abstract. Relationships and, uh, like, we, very, like, cutting relationships. So, like, this, this, uh, has a lot, this is pretty interesting. But, uh, also, another creator that is launching a new manga is Inio Asano, launching a new manga called Reiraku, uh, roughly transit is Downfall, which is about a drone, the drifting soul of a lone manga artist whose heart has been used up. Again, not that much to go on, but knowing Asano, it's probably gonna be a very weird, but also very like emotionally charged and cutting series. So it's some another thing to really look forward to.
0: Yeah, I, I like I like the teaser images for both of these. They they both look very colorful.
1: Yeah, so those are two new ones to look forward to, and considering the relative popularity of both mangaka, I think we can expect these to be licensed uh, after they get a few uh, volumes under their belts. But speaking of things to be excited for, there's a. Uh, Something that's gonna be that's pretty big that's happened recently, and that Crunchyroll has gotten one million paid subscribers. Yeah, to celebrate that event, they are going to hold its own con on August twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Partnered with many industry partners, and they're holding it in Santa Clara, California, at the Santa Clara Convention Center. It's gonna, and so yeah, Crunchyroll. Getting a million subscribers is pretty big. How, in terms of like gauging like the popularity of the platform and also the growth of the anime industry, and it's also the fact that they are holding their own convention is also very exciting. And it's before so many fans of anime and just of Crunchyroll, so I'm very excited to to see what comes to this convention. What might be happening in it and who knows me I don't usually like go out of my way to conventions but for such an occasion I just might uh, take a
0: flight down to California to attend this convention ooh that, that'd that be pretty cool you could talk about all your uh, Crunchyroll convention experiences I, I wish I had the money to go that'd be nice but uh, I'm gonna say there's a 99% chance I'm probably not gonna be able to make it mm, let's do that yeah, it is, but it's okay. I could just live vicariously through sin again. That's fine. It's what I did for New York Comic Con.
1: Yeah, you have you're like, <laughs> you're, you like you detach your soul and invade my body. Like you, you use a Millennium Item. You see a part of your soul in there. You give it to me, and then I wear it, and then you're just like experiencing the same things I am.
0: And and the, and then you become evil and go around uh, looking for other people's souls. That's only if you're evil to begin with, Colton. Are you evil, Colton? I'd I'd like to think I'm not. Then then
1: there's no problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, wasn't- I guess that would really only happen if you wore the Millennium Ring. Because doesn't the Millennium Ring corrupt you? Yeah, the Millennium Ring is the one that corrupts you. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So I guess as long as you don't wear the Millennium Ring- uh, and, and start hunting for other people's souls, the Crunchyroll Convention will go very smoothly. This is a very weird tangent that we are, uh, 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 that we're creating right now. But um, we should probably move on to our last piece of news. Yes, and uh, a very
1: sad piece of news. The passing of acclaimed Japanese mangaka, Jirō Tanaguchi, very critically acclaimed, very beloved and revered. Unfortunately, Cold and I have read... Any of his works, but he is very prolific and you can find a good chunk of his work in North America, such as A Distant Neighborhood, uh, Summit of the Gods, uh, God, there's so many, Zoo in Winter, that's the one I was forgetting. Yeah, you can find a lot of his works that have been, you know, translated and released over here and you know i'm hoping to dig into his stuff soon too but you know he was very renowned for his sense of like re- like kind of like tone of his manga and the way he portrayed his settings and like these very mature like realistic scenarios and explorations of different ideas so you know he he was very respected uh, mangaka uh, considered one of the greats, and his passing is a real tragedy.
0: Yes, um, it was very sad. Um, unfortunately, kind of a a bit of bit of sad news to end on. But uh, me and Sid obviously thought this was uh, this was definitely worth uh, mentioning. Um, and hopefully, in the future, looks like Sid said neither him or I have really ever read any of Taniguchi's works, which is a shame. But uh, hopefully we can fix that in the future and I wouldn't even I wouldn't mind even like talking about some of them on the show once we get a chance to read some more of his work.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean I am definitely gonna go go out and check out everything that I can of Joe Tanaguchi's work, like when I get the chance and have some time to read stuff, because he is like uh, he's a name that I have known for years now as this very important creator and this very acclaimed creator. So it's definitely a real tragedy to see, like, such a great talent pass away.
0: But, um, uh, Sid is clearly better at transitions than I am, as he's been proving uh, this on um, this episode and many more, but, uh.
1: If only Jiro Tanaguchi could have been immortal. If only he could have lived for an eternity. Here's to you, your Kanaguchi, To Your Eternity. And with that, let's discuss Yoshitoki Oima's new series, To Damn Your it, Eternity. Sid, you're so
0: much better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so uh, this is something I have been looking forward to talking about uh, since uh, since we first reported on it last year. But uh, yeah, so Yoshitoki Oima's To Your Eternity has been simul-publishing through Comixology. Uh, you can buy... Uh, buy a new chapter every tuesday for about 99 cents and um basically a dollar basically a dollar yes um so i guess um at the time of this recording and i guess at the time you know when we release this episode about 14 chapters will be out i think Mm -hmm. um so to your eternity wow what a series like, we talked about the first chapter when it yeah, came and out. Yeah, I, and I, and I want to, I'm so, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I do want to interrupt and say that um, I mentioned, because there was a little confusion when we talked about it with Maxie about how, like, about how how long the first chapter is actually supposed to be, because the preview on Kodansha was about 68, 69 pages. And, um, you know, I, I had mentioned, oh, well, the ending for the first chapter seemed like it was a weird stopping place to end it. Um, and I just assumed because of the length. Oh yeah, this is just the full chapter. But when I when I actually bought the first chapter through Comicsology to like just to make sure that what I had read was the full chapter, the actual full chapter is about like close to eighty pages.
1: Yeah, it's like they should have ran that entire full chapter. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know what the deal with that was. I mean, the page they chose to stop is so weird. Like they should have just done you know, the whole way.
0: Yeah. But yeah, reading reading the actual full first chapter, the full first chapter is really good. And, it, and like, actually has a better ending than I thought it originally had, honestly. Because it, cause it really does set up, like, what possibly what this entire series is going to be about.
1: Well, more than that, it's just an amazing, like, short story and self-contained story about this kid, this nameless boy who has been left alone in this, like... Desolate winter landscape, and his only companion is the wolf, and he who is named Joan, and who has since died to his to he he doesn't know this, but he since died. And then the mysterious creature has taken its form and now is just hanging around him. And so, basically, uh, he's he decides, you know, he wants to go out and like find. Like, he wants to go out and, like, find paradise, this place where there's bountiful fish and fruits and, like, where he thinks everyone is and there's a bunch of people. But, like, he goes... As he goes off, he slowly comes to realize that everyone who had left the village has probably died at this point. They could never find it and reach it. And, like, he gets hurt and while trying to go. And he, like... He, he keeps trying to be optimistic. Like, the whole thing in the chapter is, like, he's, he's keeping his optimism optimism up, he's not trying, he's trying to look at the bright side of everything, even, like, things that are, even, like, when I mean, things go wrong. And so, like, uh, w- when he finds, like, kind of the, the grave sites of, like, all the people, like, who, like, have kind of just perished, like, as they were traveling. He tries to put his pen on and was like, oh, this is great! There were people here! That means if we keep going forward, we'll definitely reach the mountain! But then he just breaks down and, said, and he goes from saying, we can do it to going to... Ooh, can we do it? Which is amazing turnaround of wordplay there. And, you know, eventually, you know, he does decide, you know, I'll I, I go home. No, it's not, it's not because you told me to, it's because I, I want to. And then later, he's like, you know, we'll, we'll try again. And like, he's just talking to himself in the entire chapter, you know, he, he does say he knows the wolf. Can't, isn't really communicating with him or is really responding to him. And he's just try, talking to himself and trying to make himself, like, feel better because he's so lonely and alone. And so, it, it ultimately, you know, he gets so sick and he passes away. But, like, his spirit, like, kind of lives on through the wolf who takes his form and takes on the form of the boy and starts traveling like as the boy.
0: Yeah, we should probably we should probably mention that like the wolf originally had uh taken on a few more forms cuz originally, well, yeah, originally it was a rock, then it became moss, and then it became the wolf. I thought I thought he started off as like a ball of light just kind of coming down.
1: Well, yeah, he start like he was originally the ball, then he became the rock, then he became moss, then he became the wolf, and then he took the form of the boy at the end of the first chapter.
0: Yeah, can I just say for the rest of this like a lot of the um because sometimes we'll, we'll get some uh, narration boxes kind of explaining about the wolf and what exactly this, essentially this kind of shape, I'm going to say shapeshifter, you know, walking mm-hmm. around kind of explaining what sort of its purpose is and what it's trying to look for. Like, the way the way a lot of that's worded makes it feel like this is some kind of like weird scientific experiment kind of thing. It's, it's, it's really yeah. interesting. I want to...
1: Yeah, it's narrated from the perspective of the creator of the creature who is, is like this godly sort of like experimental figure. And we we in chapter 13, we f- meet the person and like he mentions like the true intentions of creating the creature was to preserve humanity. Oh, okay. basically. that's interesting. So it's like, yeah, so like there's uh, there's some more intrigue behind like why the creature who henceforth i'm gonna just call him emo because that's what he's eventually nicknamed by the little girl march who is like the first really major arc in the series is about about this little girl and uh you know the connection like she forms with emo so emo being short for immortal it's interesting it's weird because they they the first she first calls him emo but then in subsequent
0: chapters she calls him emi and then in recent chapters it's gone back to emo again so i, I think that's just a thing where maybe like it's just i i think it's just maybe it's just sort of interchangeable i don't know if that's like just a consistency thing maybe. maybe i don't know for sure but yeah basically the first yeah about 11 chapters make up the first arc and i really got to say I really liked what I read. I thought it was all pretty good. I literally have no problems with it.
1: So, yeah, so endearing and, like, such an Like, the world that Oyama has created here is, like, this really interesting, like, fantasy kind of... It's not really fantasy, but it's... Because it's pretty... It's pretty grounded-ish. It's just has, has some fantastical elements. But uh the story of the little girl march she was chosen to be a ritual sacrifice by her village and like is getting, which is really a big part of this larger like political effort of like this one tribe trying to invade and take over this other tribe but just masked in religion It's masked in religion, but it's like this political, like uh, this underhand, of political effort. Like they're trying to meddle into the affairs of this other tribe so that they can gain more power over them and eventually take them over. And so, March the little March is a little girl. She's instantly like endearing, you know, because she's just this normal, cute little girl who, you know, is just. She just wants to, like, grow up and, like, you know, be a parent, like, her parents, and, like, she wants to see herself grow into adulthood, but, like, she's chosen for sacrifice. And it's like, no, why, why should I have to die? I don't want to die. I want to grow up. And, like, you know, her father just has to tell her, be, be an adult. Which is, like, a heartbreaking scene. It's like, cause, you know, the father, the parents don't want her to die either, but, like, in this situation, they have no choice, and it's just devastating. And so, like, the girl sort of has to go along with it because if she doesn't, like, either her friend, best friend is gonna, like, get killed or, like, her little sister, who is just a baby, is gonna get killed. So she has to, like, be... She has to go along with it. She can't really run away from the situation because otherwise the other people she cares about are going to get killed in her place. And so, eventually, she you know, meets, and eventually, like, after, you know, uh attempt by, like, her kind of older sister figure, not really her sister, but just kind of, like, this person, like, who befriended her, and uh, who she befriended, like, who was kind of this loner before, and, like, became really close with Patrona, who is, like, this teenage girl who is, like, a, who isn't, like, great at archery, but, you know, she's practicing it, so, you know, now, she tries to help March escape by, like, shooting an arrow to distract, uh, Hayaza, who is, like, the leader of the Yanomi tribe, who is, was in charge, who, and was in, put in charge of the carrying out the sacrifice. And so, when March escapes, she, that's when she, like, encounters Emo and figure, and learns that he's an immortal, and then they sort of, befriend each and like she sort of befriends him, and so later on when March you know is almost attacked by the bear, like they consider it a go- a bear god only, but it's really just a bear. So when the bear is attacking, is about to attack March and P- Perona, like uh, Emo comes to their rescue and defeats the bear and like mortally wounds it, and so you- when Hayasa learns of Emo uh, learns of the existence of Emo and like that it's immortal he she decides to take uh, all of them back to their village so that they can experiment on Emo and then they also imprison March and Perona and Oniguma to cover up the fact that uh, there isn't actually a bear god and like the bear had been killed, and also that they didn't carry out the sacrifice, so that they can keep, like, the ploy up so that they can still, like, in- take over the Niana tribe later. And so, like, during the escape attempt that happens, like, there, uh like, very tragic things happen, and, like, it's, it's very, very interesting, like, uh, where the arc kind of leaves off, because, like, you know, I'm hoping, like, these characters... The- Characters that have survived like are are going to play a part later on in the in the story because Hayaza's is a really intriguing villain and like it was very satisfying to see when you know Emo later transforms into the bear to protect you know everyone during the escape and like he wrecks her and like you see like she has been like fucked up like she <laughs> has like cracks she, her
0: face is all ho- horribly scarred that took me aback i had to like i had to like really look and make like i didn't even know that was hayasa at first because yeah her face just gets so like torn to the point where she's a like, like if you're just looking like really quickly she's a bit unrecognizable
1: yeah but she's a really cool villain because like she's she's this really this duplicitous schemer who like sort of knows how to manipulate people to her advantage, and you think, like, at first that she is, like, on their side, and, like, she's trying, really, uh, she's legitimately going to help them, but, like, then she reveals her true colors, and you, and you, she reveals herself to be, like, you know, she is this, like, totally selfish, like, and power-hungry villain, but, like, she's not, like, over the, she's not portrayed, like, over the top and, like, cartoonishly evil, like, she seems like this, vo- a little more believable. She seems like it kind of makes sense why she does things the way she does it. And, like, she's also, in some respects, just doing her job too, which is like, her her mission is to, like, make sure the takeover of this tribe and, like, the acquisition of their lab and integration into the Yanome clan's territories happens. So, you know, she's just doing her job and, like, she thinks and, like, uh, also... You're experimenting with the mil- the weaponistic potential of Emo as an immortal is also part of that. So, she's a really interesting character, and, you know, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens to the N- Niana village and, uh, Perona after this, because, you know, at the end of the arc, uh, Perona gets a chance- a chance to, like, shoot the killing blow at Hayaza, but she misses, and, you know, that has huge consequences, because now Hayaza Knows that she's alive and she's probably going to go to the village and there's probably going to be like a huge battle there now and like who knows who's going to survive but I- I'm hoping like she survives
0: because she's a great character but I want both of those characters to appear again. I want to know how she got her face back. That's what I'm the most interested in. <laughs> yeah,
1: when he first when he first like see like what happened her face like after emo like wrecks her as the bear like she her skin has
0: totally peeled off
1: her face like it's it's really
0: grotesque i wasn't really expecting that
1: yeah she's this it's just the bear flesh on her face and like when we see her again like it it seems like it's just been stitched up together like patchwork like, she has this... Pat- patches of her skin have just been assembled back together. And, like, it is... It's... It's me. And like, I'm very much looking forward to when she appears again, we get to see that design
0: up close again. Because, wow. It's, it's pretty crazy stuff. But- I'm kind of I'm kinda not looking forward to looking at that up close because I'm a bit squeamish. And that's going to make me cringe all over. But, like, yeah, that I was not expecting this series to be so... Uh, it is brutal and it is unforgiving. Like,
1: I don't want to spoil pe- the people who die. I mean, I guess I spoiled the boy. We spoiled the boy already. But that's the first chapter. Yeah, like, that's the first chapter. I, oh I my god! The I, series. The series doesn't. It doesn't look like the type of series that's going to pull back any punches. I'll say no, that. No. Yeah.
0: I don't. I don't want to give too much about. Uh, too much about it away, but. I will say I was not expecting that character to pass, like, yeah, like, I thought I thought it was gonna be one of those things where like, oh, like, you know, they're just dreaming, and they're gonna wake up or whatever. But like, as soon as it, it was made apparent to me that, oh, yeah, they're dead. I was like, oh, like, I liked that character. Why'd you have to kill him off?
1: Yeah. The implication is that e- Emo when he takes on the form of another person, he also inherits inherits a little bit of their spirit. So in a sense, uh people still live on through Emo, not consciously but like their desires and kind of like the essence of who they were. So in and that can be you can see that in the how Emo takes up the mannerisms and of the people and creatures that it transforms into. So when it transforms into, uh, you know, the boy, it reflects some of his mannerisms a little bit and you can see that. And so it's very interesting progression. And the wolf, the, the first arc isn't so much about the wolf's character development, but in the most recent chapters, uh, emo has kind of gotten some self awareness that, you know, These entities that he can transform into him, he can transform into, they are a part of him and they are part of his identity and they are important to him. And so when one of those is taken away, like he feels this sense of loss and fear and that drives him to get it back. And that's really interesting to see, like the development of this just not generally like... Self aware creature so far, but something that, but a creature that is growing to being more self aware and like growing to have more of a sense of self and of its own desires and wants. And so its development is super interesting as well. Yeah,
0: I see that's interesting. Uh, the fact that Emo can take on bits and pieces of, of, I guess, the, the life forms that he takes on. I really hope that maybe that'll end up being kind of a, kind of a metaphor for kind of relationships and just how essential they are to your growth as a person i I could see that being something that oima maybe goes for
1: yeah i think there are there is some exploration of that in the series We, we the relationship between the boy and his wolf was very important the relationship between March and Perona was very important. Like, the relationships between these characters is what like kind of grounds them. It kind of gives them the strength to move forward. March and Perona especially is really easy to get into and really easy to love their relationship because we see like, Perona is like this figure of support for March like, to console her, to make, to tell her everything is going to be okay. And March is the person that gives Perona hope and, like, the inspiration, like, things will be okay. Like, she's the one who gives... So they both give each other, like, equal amounts of optimism and the strength to move forward. And so that relationship was really easy to get into. And it's the emotional
0: crux of, like, their arc. Hell, I mean, like, I I think I might have missed it earlier on when I was reading, like... I think I missed the part where the story explains that like Perona and March aren't related by blood because like I I was surprised like a few chapters later when Perona starts remembering her sister and when basically she passed away and it was it was at that point I realized oh wait Perona and March aren't sisters like if you if you didn't tell me that I like I would have just believed oh they're just sisters like they just they they, they really feel like they have like a real familial relationship. It like, it feels real.
1: Yeah, they feel like family even though they aren't actually related. And yeah, Perona, the, when we see the flashback about how Perona and March met and like how like March helped Perona to, you know, come out of her shell and like enjoy her life again after her sister died and she was ostracized by the village because what what had happened was that her sister had brought perona out into the woods to hide her because she was the one who was going to be sacrificed and then so her sister went back to the village and got sacrificed in her stead and so perona was completely unaware of this uh, until like people came out looking for her later and they said, Oh, you ran away. You're a disgrace to the village. And like, she's, she's devastated, like, cause her sister is dead. And like, now, and that, like, it clearly made her, like, isolated her and made her become kind of a loner for a long time until, like, March started opening up to her. And like, you know, they formed this deep connection. And that driving force, and like why she's trying so desperately to to save March's life, is like makes it so powerful, and also makes her just such a compelling character, especially after things that happen, and like where things leave off in the, at the end of that arc, is just. And ugh.
0: it is worth noting that during that flashback, uh, Oima brings back her uh, something that she used in a silent voice—the method of, of obscuring people's faces. Executed a bit differently here because
1: well, it's not it's not really the same
0: thing. It's not, it's not the, the same. It's not in, the same thing. But it's, yeah, it's in a, yeah. In a
1: silent voice, it was because you know Shoya felt alien to the people around him, and the people around him didn't was didn't even like notice him. So he felt isolated, and so the X's over their faces like sort of represented that isolation and that like an ability to like the inability to relate, relate to the people around him or like see the or even see them as other people in he in that in that flashback it was kind of more of a traditional manga kind of technique that I, that has been i've seen in a few other series where like a like from the perspective of like a, a younger character like a well a mature authority figure like their faces are obscured a bit and so, like, you can't, like, read... So, like, the characters couldn't read their emotions at the time and really understand what was going
0: on with them. I'm talking about the moment in particular where um, Perona's sister's face is scratched out. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Like, it's, yeah, it's... it's Thematically, it's not the same thing, but I appreciated seeing that touch in another one of her series again. Because I I think she uses that technique very well. Oh, yeah. Is what I was trying to say, but, yeah... I think my all time favorite moment from the series so far is that moment where March is just so because, you know, she's a child. So obviously, you know, she's she's very forward and blunt about what she wants and how she feels. And I appreciated how, you know, she kind of stood up to Hayasa when it came time to uh, to discuss, you know, who was going to be sacrificed for the ritual and how she was like, I don't want to die. And she's just like, well, well, if I die, I'm not going to grow up. But, like, why would I want to do that? Like, I appreciate that perspective so much. And um, it was it was really cutting the way her – because cause Mar- that's March's whole thing is she wants to be able to grow up and she wants to become an adult. And so the moment where her father tells March to just to, – to act like an adult to basically get her to go along with the ritual was really cutting. Like, yeah, that was – it was just so. It was so. It was so painful to see March's desire used against her, and, and in such a like a, and in such a different like in kind of the opposite way of uh, the opposite of like the kind of adult she wants to be, but also at the same time, like I th- I think that also like that kind of perspective also makes sense because you know when you become an adult, there are things that you just kind of have to deal with, and you can't really do much. To really fight against, so I think in that's I think that perspective also like is sort of relatable and also kind of makes sense. So I think there are a lot of layers to that scene in which I I I really appreciated. But like I said, yeah, the way her father uses that uses her desire against her to go along with what the village wants, I thought was really it was really cutting. Like it it really like struck a chord with me emotionally.
1: Oh yeah, that, that's a, that's such a pow, it's, that's such a powerful moment. There are a lot of great, like, powerful
0: emotional moments,
1: but, I mean, I guess, honestly, my favorite moment is just the moment, though, when, like, Emo turns into the bear and, like, totally wrecks Iyaza. Oh, Yeah, that was, that was cool. That just, that just, that's a satisfi- That's just such a satisfying moment. It's, it's also cool. It's like, also
0: cool because we get to see emo like mid transformation. So like there are there are pages and panels of like him transforming into the bear. So he's like, it's it's really interesting to just see him mid transformation. I thought those were some really cool pages.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. It's
0: it's pretty awesome.
1: It's I get. It's I guess the core team of the series. It is the relationships part, and like, also I guess, I also a little bit about like the how human society is formed by relation, the relationships, customs, traditions, and beliefs that they share. Adapting to your environment. Adapting to yeah, adapting to your environment. That's probably the obvious one because of how emo shapeships. So, yeah, so, that's a core team, and I'm really excited to see how Oima continues to explore that going forward, especially with, uh, the revelations and the most recent chapters. But, uh, it's also kind of interesting that so far, the major characters in the series, outside of Emo, who is, like, by default genderless, is, uh, have been female. Because the major characters in the first arc are all female characters. So that was also pretty interesting to see too, because it's not a big, not a big deal as native, it's not like noted, but it's just like kind of interesting to see this kind of fantasy story just explored with all female characters. Yeah, I,
0: I didn't even think about that. There really aren't any like named male characters in that first arc, at least not that I can remember.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is a major main character in the first arc, and like even now, Emo's traveling companion is the old woman, uh, Pioran. So like, there's a strong female presence in the series. Like, that's just generally I I wouldn't have expected. It's it's not like it's in a shonen series, and also. You know, generally in a fantasy series, you just don't see that a uh, a lot either. So that's really cool. yeah. This
0: is something that does run in a shonen magazine. So I think it runs in the same magazine the fairy tale runs. Yeah,
1: so. Short- weekly shonen magazine,
0: which is where a Silent Voice also ran. That's that's really interesting to think how a silent voice ran in a shonen magazine because I I I wouldn't have really classified it as shonen, but that that is that is really cool. I, I didn't think about that aspect of it either. Um but, yeah, that, that is kind of refreshing. I do like that. But um, I don't think there was anything else I wanted to say unless you had more you wanted to talk about. I think we touched
1: upon, like, the characters, the team, and the story, like, very well. And I don't want to give too much away because I want people to actually read the series because it is amazing. It is by far, I guess technically it came out at the end of the last year, but, like, I can easily see this. Like at the end of year, being my favorite manga of the year because it has just had an incredible run so far. Where like the entire story is just so very tight and cohesive and so like emotionally charged and like oh my god! Like it is an incredible level of craftsmanship shown here. Like, even compared to a silent voice, this is an amazing start. Like, it, it, like, in terms of a start, it might even be even more engaging than a silent voice, even if the center team isn't quite as strong, uh, so far, as not explore, explored as strongly so far. It's just super engaging series that I'm so excited about. And it's been mentioned, I think, by people that, I think I saw Bomber on Twitter, like, mention that it, Ha- it, like is ranking at the back of the magazine. Well, Shonen magazine has weird ranking system anyway, so I, I'm not too worried about it right now.
0: Yeah, but, but, but I like just from want from, to- from what I understand, unlike Jump, Weekly Shonen magazine doesn't cancel stuff at thirteen chapters. So
1: Yeah, and also but also it has weird ranking just Ranking system in general, like they they kind of are more random. Like there are they're not as
0: they're not as strict as job. Like
1: you're not going to see like super popular stuff like Fairy Tale or Sins back there. But even like mid, even like fairly popular stuff like Yamada or Fuka could be at the back sometimes, even though you know they're not they they aren't unpopular in the slightest. So you know it, it's not. Oh, great! It's not like total like indicative like oh, this series isn't doing well, so i'm I'm just but either way, I'm just hoping like this series lasts as long as it's po- possible for Oima to explore everything she wants to explore thoroughly and like tell like an amazing like story because like it doesn't need to be a long story, but like oh my, I want as much of this as possible because it is just <laughs> so good to your attorney best manga you're not reading but you should pay a dollar per chapter get a subscription on comiXology well worth it don't want to hear any complaining it's amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's good like i don't have anything bad to say about it at all like i thoroughly enjoy it and it is totally worth the uh totally worth a dollar per chapter on Comicsology. So yeah, that, again, you know, if you want to read this, it's on Comicsology, Simon Publishing, every Tuesday from what it looks like. Um, again, for exactly ninety nine cents, keep up with it every week. It's it's pretty cheap. I, I I think it's a pretty worthwhile investment, honestly. Yeah, you're
1: getting a lot of quality for that price.
0: Really, there, there really there hasn't been like, I mean, obviously there hasn't been a bad chapter. I can't say that, but like there hasn't been a chapter of. To Your Eternity so far that I felt was lacking, or that I felt like, oh, I paid 99 cents for this. Like, every chapter has been very high quality, and I don't say that lightly. So, yeah, just go read it. Like, what are you doing? Stop listening to our podcast and go read (laughs) To Your Eternity. Yeah. I think that's the best compliment we can give it. Definitely. So happy with
1: how this series is turning out.
0: Yeah, it's it's been really good so far. Honestly, like I even I could see this being like my favorite manga of the year. Um But I think um I think that's about it for all the stuff we wanted to talk about. Basically. Um I don't think we have any emails. No we don't. But make sure to
1: send those emails to manga mavericks at gmail.com. We love reading them.
0: And ever since the uh the JoJo Q and A special we haven't been getting a lot, so um yeah. Hey, hey! What do you think about uh, all the news we've been talking about? Do you have any thoughts on 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 the jump starts uh, that have been premiering in Jump? Uh, what do you think of We Never Learn and U nineteen? Uh, if you start reading to your eternity, let us know what you think of it. Uh, do you think it's just as good as we think it is, or uh, do, for some reason do you think it's bad? Uh, I mean, if you do, I guess you can email us about it. We'll we'll reluctantly read it. Um, but I mean, it's impossible because I don't see why anyone could hate this. Um, <laughs> um, just, just, just send us an email, like Sid said at mangaMavericks at gmail.com. We will definitely read it on the show. But um, yeah, I think that's really going to be about it for the show. Uh, this was this was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Nice to have just me and me and Sid again. We haven't had us we haven't had a show with just us in a while.
1: No, yeah, I guess not. Wow. But uh, we're going to go for a, have quite a stretch of having episodes of guests on them coming up pretty soon, actually. And very next episode, we're having a guest on.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Next episode, uh, we're finally going to have Bomber D. Rufi on, uh, unofficial Gintama translator, among other things. And, uh, you know, just in case you didn't know, he is a huge fan of uh, Weekly Shonen Sunday. And, uh, you know, he used to... kind of recap each issue he was reading on his Twitter feed at uh, Kiroban. That's K-I-I-R-O-B-O-N, Kiroban. But, you know, he's not really doing that so much anymore because he has a whole blog dedicated to recapping every issue of Weekly Shonen Sunday as he reads it every week on uh, Tuesday, I believe. So, you know, if you're interested in Shonen Sunday and you're like, man, I really wish I had more to read than just Conan and and Maggie or Magi, whatever... You know, go read that. That's at uh, wsstalkback.blogspot.com. But uh, we're definitely going to be having him on next episode to basically go over as much of Weekly Shonen Sunday as he's willing to. Like, this is it's going to be another one of those episodes where I am just going to sit back and I'm just going to learn about things. And uh, those are those are kind of my favorite episodes because I don't have to talk much, <laughs> and I and I just get I just get to listen to other people talk about interesting things. Yeah so i'm definitely interested in learning more about shun and sunday especially since uh as we've talked about it on the show that a lot of the manga in that magazine doesn't that 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 entire magazine in general just doesn't really have much of a presence over here and we're hoping to help bomber with that with him B- basically giving him as much time as he needs to talk about it so look forward to that on the next episode uh that's going to be episode 26 of the podcast um But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Manga Mavericks, episode 25 on allcomic.com. Again, I'm not sure if it'll be fixed by the time this episode's up, but we know our our iTunes feed is kind of non-existent at this point. Uh, Tyler had to go and um, delete it to basically create a new one because we were just having so many problems trying to upload episodes on that old feed. So we're hoping by the time this episode's up that that'll be fixed, or if not then, hopefully very soon um i know he's hard at work trying to get that fixed but uh just wanted to let you know that we are in the middle of trying to fix that and hopefully we can get that resolved soon because i missed listening to the podcast on uh on my podcast app on my phone um but anyway sid where can the good people find you?
1: You can find me as Lam Ramayasha on Animation Revelation, my anime list, Kitsu Twitter, and Twitter and Tumblr. And you can also follow my art stuff at KidGupta on Twitter and Sid Gupta awesome Art blog on Tumblr.
0: Oh yeah, you do have a Twitter for your art stuff now, I saw that. Yeah. So yeah, everybody go uh follow Sid's art stuff. And uh I'm guessing you're still on your internet, hiatus.
1: Yeah, you know, my my my, I I have kind of been breaking it here and there. But (laughs) basically, I just don't want to be on social media a lot. I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll like, I'll hard, like, ignore it. Like, definitely when it comes, like, to April, like, I can't. I gotta, I gotta just take a break from all that stuff and not get
0: distracted. But for
1: now, I guess I'll pop in here and out and I might participate in things. But generally, you won't see me, like, tweet or post some places a lot. All
0: right, then. Well. As Sid said, go follow all of his stuff. Definitely follow him on Twitter. And uh, you know, speaking of Twitter, you can follow me. See, I could do transitions too at Sniper King three two three. That's S N I P E R K I N G three two three. I do other podcasts. Basically, if you if you're a fan of Gintama, go listen to Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast. I've actually been putting up episodes for once. And uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, uh, man, we got a lot of. Stuff I got to do for that show, like our fourth anniversary, that's coming up in April. Need to start getting ready for that. Um, or if you're a fan of Detective Conan slash Case Closed, uh, you can go listen to One Podcast Prevails at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. Um, but, you know, just as for uh, the uh, the all comic website in general, and, uh, and I guess the podcast, um, you can find Manga Mavericks and basically all of our episodes on allcomic.com again our iTunes feed might be down but you can still listen to every episode on there uh so you know we're 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 not we're not gone forever just because iTunes is the only way anyone ever listens to podcasts that that doesn't that doesn't mean we stop existing so we're still on the website if you want to listen to us and the rest of our show again that's at allcomic.com you can also follow allcomic on facebook.com slash allcomic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore um, but, you know, just as for Manga Mavericks in particular, uh, we also have our own Twitter for that. If you just want to follow us in general, uh, that's at manga underscore mavericks for all of your latest updates on the podcast and what we'll be talking about and all that. Um, you can also follow us on Tumblr. That's at manga mavericks dot tumblr com. And uh, like we said, if you want to email us anything about the podcast, whatever manga you're reading, uh, just anything manga related in general, Uh, You can email us at at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that... uh, I mean, I guess, now that I think about it, without an iTunes feed, you can't really rate and subscribe to us. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, when we do get our iTunes feed back up, please uh, subscribe to it, rate it, and review it. Um, You know, with our new feed coming up, we're definitely going to probably need a few reviews or even some star review ratings or whatever uh, to... Uh, basically uh, give us some more publicity on iTunes that would definitely help us Um, so basically just just keep an eye out on iTunes it'll be up soon we promise we're doing our best but until then this has been episode 25 of Manga Mavericks here on allcomic.com and we'll see you guys next time for episode 26 bye guys sayonara